Greetings to all my cool cats and cool kittens. They try to copy our style, so they stay frostbitten. You are now tuned into the sounds of CFRE 91.9 FM and on the World Wide Web at CFREradio.com. It is your man, DM Cool, and welcome to Cool Radio. What we doing? You can catch me on your TV, even on the radio. Pop up at our blind spot, and on my way go. We in bidding airwaves. Cool. Yes, yes, y'all, welcome back to the show. You're now tuned to the sounds of CFRE 91.9 FM and on the World Wide Web at CFREradio.com. It is your man, DM Cool, and welcome back to Cool Radio. Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody! Indeed, indeed. You better tell a friend to tell a friend. Let them know that we're live on the air right now, as we are on a regular basis on every Thursday evening. How are y'all doing? I hope y'all are doing very wonderful this Thursday evening. But nonetheless, we have some pressing matters to get to. Um, On tonight's show, we will be discussing the flawed post-secondary education system, in my opinion, at least. I want to know if you guys agree or disagree. On top of that, we have a rap beef going on right now between J.D. Eric and Raekwon. We also have Kanye ranting about Nike again and a whole lot more. But before we get to all that, I got some stuff to get off my chest. You already know how we do with this segment. Ladies and gents, it is time to let that ish breathe. Let this bitch breathe. So on Monday... We lost a musical icon. I'm talking about the late, great David Bowie, a.k.a. Ziggy Stardust. He died at age 69 um, in a battle with liver cancer. So my heart goes out to him and his family uh, and all of his fans who are grieving at this moment. And he left behind an incredible legacy. Uh, during this little five minutes, we're not going to mourn the loss of him. We're going to celebrate the life and the legacy and the musical influence that he had over generations upon generations. So what I want to start off by saying is that this guy is probably one of the most consistent recording artists ever in history. I mean, we're talking about a musical career that started in 1967 and was going on for 40 years plus strong. I mean, he even had a streak during the 70s where he released an album every single year minus 1978. But that came with good reason. In 1977, he came out with two albums in just that one year alone. So we can kind of give him a pass, basically, for not putting out anything in 1978. Because chances are, the second album carried into 1978. So that's all well and good. On top of that, this guy was multi-talented in many instruments. He could play the guitar, the saxophone, piano, you name it. This guy was a true musician in the truest and purest form. On top of that, he was so well-versed in other genres. I mean, he was well-versed in rock and roll in pop, in electronica, and he made his talents well-known on every single album that he put out. And the most, not inspiring thing, but the most, uh, the most incredible, one of the most incredible things, I should say, as far as his talent is concerned, is that from 1967 all the way till 2009, this man was still relevant within the eye of the public. And he has changed his sounds, or at least evolved and adapted to what's current so much that I can only put him second only to Madonna in terms of staying with the times and staying with relevant and staying within what is trendy but still 
making your own name and voice be heard, basically. Because there are some people who just kind of go with the wave, basically. But there are people who not only go with the wave, but they control the currents of the wave. And David Bowie was one of those people who did that. So I give him much props and much respect in regards to doing that because you have to be somewhat of a chameleon to have lasted that long within the music industry because we all know you're either here today and gone tomorrow. That's how quickly you can become a footnote in someone's history, basically. So I give him a lot of credit for that. And I would say the most inspiring thing I would say in his legacy is the fact that he was somewhat of a social activist as well outside of the music. I mean, this is someone who questioned MTV during their early run uh, during the 80s when he questioned them as to why they have a lack of black artists on their uh, regular rotation. This guy questioned them as to why they don't have enough R&B singers, enough rappers, you know, within heavy rotation during that time. Mind you, MTV was still in its infancy, but nonetheless, hip-hop and R&B was still... Well, as far as hip-hop is concerned, it was a new force, but it was a force to be reckoned with nonetheless, and R&B has always been a mainstay within uh, the pop genre, so why not showcase those artists? And he brought them to that task, and sometimes they would feel a bit, you know, pushed aside, you know, onto a wall, so to speak, when they didn't know how to really answer that statement, because this is a heavy criticism that they have been dealt with for the longest time, and David Bowie called them out on it. And he also gave hip-hop its props when he said how... Hip-hop at the time, their artists in concern, are the only artists who are, who are not afraid to be creative. And this is an interview that he did sometime during the mid-80s. He said how hip-hop artists are the only ones who are not afraid to rebel against the system, so to speak, and to speak out on what's happening. And those were basically one of hip-hop's fundamental principles as it was coming up. So it's very refreshing to see someone outside of the genre and... More importantly, I would say outside of the black race to understand and empathize with that statement. So I give I give Bowie a lot of credit in that regard. And one thing before we go to a break, I just want to say that uh, Bowie was one of the first pop artists to have an alter ego gimmick, which was Ziggy Stardust, as we all know. And that alter ego complex kind of bled into other genres of music, especially in hip hop, because nowadays you have guys like Eminem, who has the alter ego of Slim Shady. You have T.I., who has the alter ego of T.I.P. You had Nas, who had the alter ego of Nas Escobar, so on and so forth. So you could credit him as being one of the first, if not the first, to have that type of persona within their music can still be successful at that uh but what i want to know from you guys is what's your favorite song from david bowie hit me up on twitter at dm underscore cool or cool underscore radio and let me know on top of that for the throwback thursday track of the day we will not be going in the hip-hop vault we'll be going into the vault of the man himself david bowie as he was well versed in a whole bunch of genres as i mentioned before including some funk records so let that be a little tidbit of a of a spoiler or a foreshadowing, if you will. But nonetheless, we'll get to that around the 845 mark of this broadcast. Coming up after the break, post-secondary institutions. Is there flaws with them? What needs to be changed? I got all that and more. But before we get to that, we get to get to some Canadian content. This one comes from a man, the OG of Toronto, Mr. Maestro Fresh West. And this one features Rich Kid. And this joint right here, this one is called Born in Toronto. So keep it locked. We will be right back after these messages. Don't miss it. Yeah. 
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the broadcast. You're now tuned to the sounds of CFRE 91.9 FM and on the World Wide Web at CFREradio.com. It is your man, DM Cool, and welcome back to Cool Radio. Now, this next topic that we're about to dive into, man, I've been meaning to discuss this for quite some time, actually. Just been kind of waiting for the right moment to dive into it. But without further ado, since I have no guests here and I have all this free time until the 8.30 mark to get to our next segment, Let's just dive right into it. I want to talk about the flaws within the post-secondary education system. Now, before I continue, let me preface the following. I have absolutely no problem or no disregard for anyone who is pursuing a post-secondary education right now, whether it be college, university, private institution, whatever the case may be. If that is where your heart truly lies, then please, by all means, go for it. And I hope you go to the furthest extent of it. And secondly, I want to also preface by saying that there are certain career fields that require you to have a post-secondary education. For example, if you are aiming for a career in the medical field, please believe you need a university degree and higher for that. You need post-grad, grad school, all that stuff. Because God forbid I have open heart surgery. I do not want Nick Riviera performing that. I want Dr. Hibbert, all right? <laughs> Let me just get that out of the way. So, again, there are certain fields within within the career field, basically, that require, that heavily require post-secondary studies. Um, so, anyways, with all that being thrown out there, let me get right to it. Um, when it comes to post-secondary studies, we are taught from a young age that we are to pursue it so that we get the career of our choice coming out of school. And I've noticed, you know, through my own personal endeavors and through other personal endeavors who are within my age group, for the most part, it takes us years to finally get to where we need to get to in our career field. You know, the the old the old ways, basically, pretty much from let's just talk about the 80s, for example, you got to you graduated with whether it be a college or university degree. And then within weeks, you're getting your you're getting within your field. But nowadays, you know, for us millennials, basically, that isn't the case. We usually have to wait at least a year until we finally find something in our field. And before we're able to do that, we have to do a little something called paying our dues. So this is basically when we graduate from college or university. And then when we try to apply for a position, that position requires us to have experience. But what experience can we truly get if we've never been in the field before, is that where the internships come in? Now, I'm not knocking internships. Internships are fine. You know, it's a way to get your foot in the door or what have you. But under our beliefs of what we've been taught, those internships should actually lead to a position within that sect of our field, basically. So if that is not at the end of the tunnel, so to speak, then what is the point of doing these internships, basically? What is the point of having to pay thousands upon thousands of dollars with intuition just so that we can be trapped in debt for however long until we get to where we want to be. And even when we do get to where we want to be, pretty much the starting line is where we begin paying the debt once we get into those fields. And I feel like that is a huge, a huge, uh, a huge disservice rather to all the people, you know, kind of within this millennial age, basically, who are working their butts off, you know, day in and day out, studying all long hours of the night, just so there can be a brick wall waiting for them once they get their diploma. Then what? You know, how are we supposed to gain that experience, basically, if there are no 
jobs being available at that point in time. And that's another thing right there. There's no available jobs. There's no one that's absolutely hiring. And a lot of people say it's because of the baby boomer generation and they're still holding on to those careers for dear life. Now, they may have the reasons maybe they, they don't have enough for pension. Maybe that's why they're holding on to it, whatever the case may be. I'm not trying to blame the baby boomers for keeping their jobs. But at the same time, you know, something needs to be done. Something needs to be done so that there should be more careers open. And if that's the case, then maybe this trickles down to the economy. And we should look at the economy and the, and the current state of the economy and why they're not holding up to their end of the bargain, so to speak which then leads to more of a federal situation, basically. So we have to answer to our government in order to find out what's happening with our economy and why there aren't enough jobs being um, provided for people who are coming out of university and college especially. Now, I'm in here in Canada, so I don't know how it is for the rest of the world. I know America is kind of going through a similar situation as well overseas. I can't really predict what's happening over there and if they're going through the same type of turmoil that at least the Western world is going through. Um, there's too many people who I have come across who have more degrees than me, basically, and they're still working as a manager at, let's say, a phone booth or whatever the case may be. And I'm not knocking that at all. You have to do what you have to do to make money to survive, to pay for your rent, to pay for your insurance on your car, whatever the case may be. But we shouldn't have to be in a situation where we're just waiting and struggling to find our our path within our career for years on end because that is the reality of the situation it's even come to a point where some people are dropping out of school because they feel that it's a dead end in terms of not being able to land a job elsewhere in the finances it's even come to a point where you know we were taught again at an early age that you know once we get our degrees and everything then basically they're going to come running to us them being the employers that's far from the case. It's That's not even the case anymore. We have to run towards them. In fact, it's not about knocking on doors and what have you. It's about networking nowadays. Not necessarily about what you know, but more so about who you know, basically. It's come to that point. No longer are we in the era where we have to work harder. We're more now in the era of we have to work smarter. We have to be more strategic about whom we build relationships with so that they can possibly provide us an opening in the future. That is what it has come down to. Now, I am a, a huge proponent of working hard and everything, but you have to be just as strategic, especially in this day and age. And in this day and age, you have to adapt or else you will perish. So you have to learn the tricks of the game, basically. You either play the game or watch the game play you. That is how today's structure in terms of you know post-secondary adventures are now structured, basically. And it's kind of sad that we've gotten to this point because for us coming up who are in our early 20s, mid-20s, late 20s, and so on and so forth, what do we now tell our children if we do have if we do decide to have kids in the future? Do we tell them, hey, don't go to school or do we tell them, hey, go to school, but you're going to incur this type of situation when it happens? Now, a lot of people, a lot of, you know, political science experts are saying that or sorry. Yeah, a lot of political expert scientists, and a lot of economists are saying how once the baby, sorry, the baby boomer generation retires, you know, at a large rate then there are going to be more jobs open in the future. 
but nobody wants to wait another 20 years until you know that generation retires and decides to call it quits no we want the money right now we want to make a living we want to we want to build credit and equity we want we want to build a foundation for the future generation we want to build wealth that's what we want to do right now why should we wait another 10 20 years that's not fair to us we busted our backs we paid our dues just as much as the previous generation to get where we're at so the time for waiting has ended and i say this to anyone and pretty similar to what I said at the beginning of the show, if you decide to pursue post-secondary education and it's what you want to do and you have a passion for it, then please, by all means, go for it. And if you decide to drop out of your post-secondary education for whatever reason and you have some sort of a plan going forward, then please go for it. Because the worst thing you can do is to not follow your heart and to not follow your instincts, because by not doing that. You're going to leave a very big gaping hole in your heart, basically. And you're going to wonder to yourself, what if I took that risk? What if I ventured down that path despite whatever turmoil that would have came my way with the decision that I made? It's always going to be a question of what if or I should have done this, basically. So if you have a feeling deep down inside your heart that post-secondary education is not for you and you want to pursue something else and you have a rough game plan as to what you want to do, in the aftermath, then I would say highly explore what's basically in your feeling right now because for all you know, that could be the gateway to your future, basically. That could set you up for life financially, spiritually, whatever the case may be. Because the last thing you want to do is to be in a career that you have absolutely no love and passion for. The whole idea of the pursuit of happiness is that you want to wake up excited for your day, excited to go into work. You want to be working in an environment where it's a labor of love, basically. You don't want to wake up at 7 a.m. and say, ah, crap, I got to go to this crappy job again and, and answer to this stupid boss. No, you want to wake up and say, man, I can't wait to go to work. And that's everyone's dream, basically. And I'll say this to end things off. In this current generation, we were taught young at, at a young age, once again, that, you know, You've got to work your way in to try and get your foot in the door, basically. That analogy or sentiment, rather, almost doesn't exist in today's generation. It's not enough to get your foot in the door, but it's more about creating those doors, which is why in the next 10 years, you're probably going to see a lot of entrepreneurs from the from the millennial generation, especially with the rise of the Internet. Because at the end of the day. I'm not saying that post-secondary studies isn't important anymore, but at the same time, we have a wealth of, of resources to kind of rely upon if post-secondary education isn't what we're relying upon for, for growth of knowledge and, and, uh, and wealth of mind, basically. I mean, you have Wikipedia. That, that is your own library that fits into the palm of your hand, basically. So people have that as far as higher learning is concerned, because the last thing you want to do is be trapped in a lecture room with a professor who just gets paid to show up and leave and no one succeeds. You don't want that. Nobody wants that. So if the pursuit of education or the pursuit of knowledge, rather, is what you're looking for, then you don't have to rely on post-secondary education for that. You really don't have to, because if it's just you know the, the knowledge of self that you're looking for, then why bear yourself knee deep in debt that you're going to be trying to pay off in the next 20 years or so when all you have right in front of you is the internet, basically. I don't want to come off as ignorant or disrespectful to anyone who's pursuing those pro-secondary education for the pursuit of knowledge. I mean, if you want to do that, then great. If you have a game plan ahead of that, then even better. But all I'm trying to say is that 
education is not the end all be all. It's important, but as far as guaranteeing you a spot in your field right after you're out, it's not going to happen. Not in today's generation, I would say. And that's a shame, too, because you would think that once you have that diploma or that degree, you are entitled to a position in your field. But that is not the reality that we are living in today. And I think that is what's probably the greatest shame that comes with, you know, post-secondary studies and the flaws of it. But that's just my take on it. What do you guys think? Hit me up on Twitter at DM underscore cool or cool underscore radio and let me know your thoughts at hand. Coming up after the commercial break, we got trip talks. That's three topics of three minutes. And I will let you know what all those topics entail. But before we get to that, we have my man JD Era with this with this recent record entitled Dope. And funny enough, he will be one of our uh, one of our topics for trip talk. So keep it locked. This is Cool Radio, and we'll be right back after these messages. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's another hit right there from my man, J.D. Era. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. You're now tuned to CFRE 91.9 FM and on the World Wide Web at CFREradio.com. It is your man, DM Cool, and this is Cool Radio. Once again, shout out to my man, J.D. Era, with that record entitled Dope. And shout out to the students at UTM who are just giving the dab while that record was playing, no doubt. So... With that being said, ladies and gents, it is time for Trip Talk. So three topics in three minutes. You already know how we do when it comes to that. And the first topic that I got to mention, man, uh, this goes out to my man J.D. Era, actually. Uh, recently, he was involved with a cypher, a KOTD cypher, King of the Dot, which you all know is Canada's top battle rap league and one of the top battle rap, battle rap leagues in the world. And he was involved with a cypher that included many other talented lyricists as well. Pardon me. And in that cipher, he name drops Raekwon and throws some heat at him. Now, everyone's probably wondering where is all this coming from, basically, and why is he throwing shots at the chef? Uh, well, basically, you know, there's been, you know, some um, turmoil within Ice H2O Records, basically, the label that J.D. Era signed to way back in 2012. And on that label, he released uh, his mix as uh, one of his mixtapes, actually. And basically... There hasn't been a lot of movement for him on that label. And so a lot of rumors are spreading around as to, you know, uh, Rick Juan is holding him back. He's withholding money from him. He keeps on shoving his product. So basically, J.D. Ever expressed his frustration in the only way that rappers know how to do best at their most effective which I'm not knocking, of course, because at the end of the day, art is an expression. So basically, he threw some heat at uh, the chef and he says the following, and I quote, don't ask about no Raekwon, homie. The past is the past. Went from legendary to just money hungry for cash. I hope Donald Trump wins and he deports that ass. In between me and you, that last album was trash. God dang. I mean, it's one thing if you're just you know throwing shade at some rapper, but this is Raekwon the chef we're talking about. So I'm sure the public is curious to know why everything went south between him and, and Ray? Because at the end of the day, only people who are inside the whole, you know, the whole controversy know exactly what happened. I mean, based on the lyrics uh, that he spit during that cipher, as far as like that particular stance is concerned, and the rumors are kind of going around, it's kind of similar to a Lil Wayne and Birdman situation where Lil Wayne has his album ready. But Birdman says, no, I don't want to put that out. I'm shelving that until further noticed. And then basically Lil Wayne's just getting at Birdman. I feel like this is very similar to that. And you can draw the parallels between the two situations. 
And it's very disheartening for Era as well because Era is one of the most talented rappers to not only come out of Toronto, but to come out of Canada in general. And the whole idea of Raekwon coming to uh, Canada to start his Ice H2O label was to expose the Canadian talents within hip-hop and to spread it worldwide. That is what we were promised when he came over here. And he said he was going to do that, but really, he's only been taking advantage of what Canada has to offer, it seems like. Because otherwise, why not put out a talented artist like J.D. Era? This guy has grinded for so long. I remember seeing this guy come up in Mississauga, MDV, and it's just disheartening to see that he's being held back by someone like a Rick Wan, someone we've held in such high regard for so long because of his involvement with the Wu-Tang Clan and because of his epic classic only built for two Cuban links, a.k.a. the Purple Tape. So we can only see and speculate what happens after this materializes and develops, and we'll see if Raekwon will actually you know, put out a response to that. I would assume he would because he is from hip-hop. He's not one of the commercial guys who just kind of sags off and says, nah, I'm going to leave it alone. No, this guy is from the essence of hip-hop in which you step up to someone if you got an issue with them. I mean, who can forget when him and Ghostface uh, came up with that record? Well, it was not even a record. It was just a, a skit on on the Cuba Lynx album called uh, Shark N-Words when he was basically accusing Notorious B.I.G. of biting Nas's album cover and a whole bunch of other things. So, I'm again, I'm curious to see what Raekwon is going to say about this situation nonetheless. But I'm not mad at J.D. Air for coming at him like that because at the end of the day, he felt frustrated. And, hey, what better way to get your frustration out than through song, right? So I'm not mad at it. We'll see what happens. Now, next topic. Speaking of frustration, uh, Kanye West. Now, we all know that this guy put out... A record called Facts and he announced it big time like you saying oh new record Facts coming out soon and then we heard it and it was nothing more than a remix of Jumpman where he was dissing Nike calling out LeBron James and the whole Nike family for basically saying how you know they didn't treat him with respect and what have you and how Nike is just um, a, a, a conglomerate of new slaves basically now I don't really understand this kind of logic coming from Kanye West because of the fact that you want to criticize Nike for being new slaves yet you are signing with another conglomerate in Adidas now I'm going to get to all that in a second but first of all he put out a statement as to why he decided to end his relationship with Nike and he said the following and I quote it's not about the money. It's about respect, the communication. Adidas is my family. Now, I've been noticing this with Kanye West for years, but I've never really put an exact name or one word to it until I was watching a podcast entitled The Brilliant Idiots starring Charlemagne the God and Andrew Schultz. Now, Schultz made the point that Whatever Kanye does not like, he refers to as a new slave or new slave movement, basically. And anything that he's not in favor with, he will revolt against because he thinks it's against the system. Think about it for, for a second. Just take the artist out of there, uh, the music out of there, and think about it logically for a second. Back in 2009, when Taylor Swift won an MTV award for Video of the Year, he had the audacity to go up on stage and say how... Beyonce had one of the greatest videos of all time and robbed that moment away from Taylor Swift. Then, recently, last year, he said about Beck, you know, winning album of the year, how he didn't deserve to win that and how he needs to respect true artists and he needs to hand over his award to Beyonce. And even his 
about with uh, fashion designers in Europe. He was saying how they mistreated him and how they they basically kind of you know put him under the bus, whatever the case may be. Now, I've always noticed that if something is is not within Kanye's favor, that he revolts against it. He calls it all names under the sun, especially with this term "new slaves." How are you going to accuse people of being a slave to consumerism? When you yourself are a product of consumerism, look at your BS clothing line. You have people dressing up as a mixture of hobos and grunge-inspired fashion from Kurt Cobain and Nirvana, and you're selling those shirts for five to $600 a pop. You're selling scarves for $250 a pop. Your new um, shoes from Adidas, they look like Nike free runs. So really, who is a new slave here? I feel like Kanye is a slave to his own ego because he doesn't really know what he's talking about at times. Yes, I do agree with him sometimes when he's talking about, when he does talk about consumerism from a certain extent, but then you can't stand by those words when you yourself are a huge proponent of consumerism. If you weren't, then you would have no clothing line. You would have no shoe line. You would have nothing under the sun that's branded within the Kanye West brand you wouldn't even be a brand basically if it weren't for consumerism so how are you trying to revolt against it when you are that monster that you claim to be revolting against and this is why i can't take kanye seriously as a visionary i can only take him seriously as a musician for the most part and even then that's starting to weigh i mean two and a half years ago when he put out jesus let's be 100 yes it sounded different it was experimental but different doesn't always mean good Jesus was by far his worst album. People were complaining about 808s and Heartbreaks, but I actually liked it because it actually had a theme to it and it actually had, it actually dealt with a lot of the things that he was going on during that time period. What was Jesus about? I feel like Jesus was, was nothing more to insatiate his insatiable ego, basically. So again, I can't really follow the words that Kanye is spewing because it's so contradictory. I don't care if he runs for president. I don't care. I just want from Kanye to make good music. That's all they want to hear from him. Now, again, facts was whack, but then uh, fans or real friends, I'm sorry, real friends is what the, the record was called. That was actually a dope record. I like that. So I'm curious to see what's going to come out of his new album, Swish. And I hope, I hope this is miles better than, than Yeezus. I'm not asking for a classic. I'm just asking for something that's at least better than Yeezus. So Kanye, do what you need to do Separate yourself from, from the Kardashian clan if you have to. We just want to hear what you promised us, and that is good music. And speaking of good music, that leads us to our final topic of Trip Talk, Kendrick Lamar and Wale. Now, President Barack Obama had a State of the Union address uh, this past week, and Wale became the first ever hip-hop artist to open a State of the Union address. And he opened it up with certain uh, songs from certain albums, basically. And he also, in the meantime, while he did that, announced, announced projects or announced plans for a new album, basically. So good for Wally on that, because that's huge for hip-hop. Um, that's never been done before. And I'm glad it happened to Wally, of all people, because he is a native of Washington, D.C., so good on him for getting that slot. Um, I know I've been very critical of Wale over the last couple of years because of his work not really sounding as inspired as his earlier work, but I will give credit to where credit is due. And as for Kendrick, he got to meet the president himself, Barack Obama, and he did a new uh, a new internet commercial, I guess, if you will, uh, that included clips of him meeting Obama, shaking his hand, taking a tour of the, of the Oval Office and what have you. So I like to see hip-hop 
break barriers in certain regards. And that is one of those times where it did break barriers. And I'm proud of both of them for doing that because it shows you that hip hop is not just within the inner city. It's not just a national thing. It can be a global thing as well. And it shows when you are greeting and opening for arguably the most powerful person in the entire world, basically. So kudos goes to Kendrick Lamar and Wale, two young black individuals in the art of hip hop who are making new waves in that regard. And with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the Throwback Thursday track of the day. So let's get old school with it real quick. Once again, people, it is time to get old school. Hit it. You all right now. Um, ladies and gentlemen, I am open to suggestions, so please hit me up at Twitter or sorry, on Twitter, at DM underscore cool or cool underscore radio, and let me know what you guys want to hear. Now, at the beginning of the show, I did mention that we would be celebrating the life and the musical legacy of David Bowie, a.k.a. Ziggy Stardust. And what better way to do it than to dedicate our Throwback Thursday track of the day to him. And this record came out in 1983 off of the album Let's Dance with the title track itself, Let's dance. We're going to play that right now. And just a little known fact, that record was uh, sampled by Puffy uh, when he did the record um, Been Around the World featuring the Notorious B.I.G. and Mace. So let's get into that right now. Uh, David Bowie, Let's Dance, only on Cool Radio. Yeah. What's going on, people? It's your boy, Femi Lassen, and man, me. It's your man, Bo Pinto, at Bo Pinto. Jay Hood from the Toronto Argos. You are now tuned in. Cool. Cool. Radio 91. Yes, yes, y'all. Shouts to all the wonderful and talented guests I've had over the years. Most definitely. You're now tuning to the sounds of CFRE Radio 91.9 FM and on the World Wide Web at CFREradio.com. It is your man, DM Cool. And welcome back to Cool Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, you already know what time of the show that it is right now. So with that being said, <clears throat> who has entered the shallow walls of the Hall of Shame this week? Who has been crowned the captain of Coonery this week? Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for Wankster of the Week. Now, this week's Wankster of the Week is a little different, actually. It doesn't just go to one singular person. No, it goes to a, a collective, a conglomerate, a crew, if you will. Ladies and gentlemen, the Wankster of the Week goes to the Oscars Committee. Now, you're probably asking yourself, why are they getting the Wankster? I'm going to tell you why. The Academy of Motion Picture and Sciences is getting the Wankster because of their ineptitude, to say the least, to not include any black actors or directors in their list of nominees. So, you're trying to tell me that in a year where we saw great films like Concussion, like Straight Outta Compton, and even Creed, we didn't get one single black nominee, whether it be from the director's side or the actor's side. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, that, is, that has happened. Today, as of this recording Thursday, um, the Oscars put out their list of nominees. 
and not one actor or director was black. Now, this hasn't been the first time that this has happened before. This has happened multiple years before. But it's the fact that with all the films that I just mentioned, for example, we had such great performances, pardon me, in the world of cinema that they still chose not to nominate any actors or directors with, uh, that are within the color range whatsoever. I mean, I find it a little bit hard to believe because of the fact that we had a great uh, biopic film in Straight Outta Compton, which not only had critical and rave reviews, but it stood atop of the box office for four weeks straight. We had a great movie in Creed where it was not just a Rocky sequel. Not only was it the best sequel or our best Rocky movie since Rocky, basically, but it stood alone as its own film. It became the Rocky of this generation. Creed stood on its own as a film. And even with a film like Concussion, with Will Smith in it, this basically we're talking about a film that discusses the controversies within concussions within, um, within major uh, team sports in, in America and the discovery of those things. But you're trying to tell me that none of those films or the directors who played in the background even get a nomination at best? No, there's something wrong here. There's something definitely wrong. And, you know, I find it hilarious when people say how racism doesn't exist because we have a black president or because there's so many black people doing great things in Hollywood or entertainment in general. But when you see a disparity of talented individuals who aren't getting recognized by the work by the largest platform, then you have to wonder, is there some internal or systemic racism that, that is happening within these fields? And you can't help but speculate because there's no reason as to why movies like Creed, movies like Concussion or Straight Outta Compton shouldn't be in the, in the discussion of nominations. If they don't win the award, fine. That's another debate for another day. But the fact that they're not even nominated... I mean, these aren't terrible movies we're talking about. We're talking about some heavily critically acclaimed films that were the talk of Tinseltown throughout the entire year. I mean, even last year, they dropped the ball massively when the, when the, when the, when the critically acclaimed movie Selma wasn't even nominated, both on the director's side and the actor's side of things. And now fast forward to 2015, and we're you know, going through the same process over and over again. I mean, I always tell, you know, I always uh, tell people that when it comes to black actors and black directors and they're starring in films that may be seen as a black film, quote unquote, then they're most likely going to expect to get praise from from the more Afrocentric award shows like Essence or Soul Train or something like that. And that's all good and well. But if you are competitive and you want to strive to be the best that you can be at your field, that you want to receive accolades from the very top. For example, if I'm a hip-hop artist, I don't just want to have the number one single in the hip-hop charts. I want to have the number one single in the, on the entire Billboard Hot 100. You want to strive to be the greatest. And I understand the frustration that these actors and directors are going through with the Oscars because of that very fact. The only thing, and mind you, I'm not a huge fan of the Oscars, but if I were to watch it, then the only thing I would be watching for is to see if my man Leonardo DiCaprio will finally win an Oscar because he is long overdue for one. Let's keep it all the way 100. But besides from that, I think it's just a travesty and it's a disgrace that no black actor or director was nominated for uh, for an Oscar. I mean, let's, let's keep aside the actors for a second. Let's talk about the directors. Director F. Gary Gray directed a 
an excellent biopic take on NWA and how their rise to claim came to be. Not only that, but also discuss all the events that are happening within LA, like the Watts riots and the Ronnie King decision and what have you. These are things that basically white suburbia was conditioned to not pay attention to until it became a thing where NWA started talking about these things within their music. And then it wasn't until the 1992 incident happened where everyone's eyes were open. And fast forward, we're still, uh, Americans are still going through that still to this very day. You have a young director in, in uh, Ryan Coogler who directed a masterpiece in Creed. He, direct, he also directed a critically acclaimed piece in Fruitvale Station where it talked about a shooting that happened in Oakland a few years back. He directed an excellent piece on that and will be the director for the future Marvel film Black Panther. And you're telling me that a young, innovative, uh, innovative genius like him shouldn't be nominated for his phenomenal work in reviving the Creed series, or, or sorry, in the in the in the Rocky series? No one had been paying attention to Rocky since Rocky Five, maybe. And we all know how much of a dud that movie was. Rocky Balboa wasn't bad, but let's be honest, Creed gave it a nice boost and gave us a Rocky of our generation, so to speak, that we can kind of feast upon, basically. And then the film Concussion with Will Smith in it, again, he opened up so many discussion plates about the history of concussions and why leagues were basically gunning for this doctor to not reveal any of the information about concussions because they're in fear of losing money because of that, because players want to take, uh, want to take safety precautions for their own benefit and for their own future. But no, the Oscars doesn't want to recognize those talents and those efforts to their black actors and directors. Why? Let's be honest. It's just systemic racism. Like nobody wants to say it, but that has to play a role in it nonetheless. And because of that and so many other things in between, just the general political nature of it all, I got to give the Oscars the wankster. Do they deserve this collective wankster as a crew, as an organization, as a conglomerate, and whatever you know stable you want to put them in? Of course they do. And with that, I'm going to drop it on them one more time. Just like this, hit him with the 50. Absolutely BS. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the show for tonight. Uh, I want to thank y'all for tuning in as you always do on a weekly basis. Make sure you hit me up on Twitter at DM underscore cool or cool underscore radio and let me know what you want to hear as far as songs, throwback Thursday, and just keep on listening on a regular basis and follow us on those handles. Make sure you follow us on SoundCloud at cool underscore radio and yeah, follow us and then subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, once again, at cool underscore radio. We want to get those subscriber numbers up. So please subscribe, subscribe, tell a friend to tell a friend. Like us on Facebook, uh, cool radio, no underscore in that one. And yeah, just thank you for being loyal fans and listeners as usual. And I want to shout outs to um, Rogers TV Peel for having me on Rob's of Sports today. It was a nice welcoming. Shout out to my co-host, Laura. Shout out to my producer, Ryan Dunn. You guys are great. You already know how we do. And once again, people, that's the show for tonight. Uh, once again, Cool Radio is a division of Cool Click Media and Entertainment, reminding you each and every day that we are creating our own legacies. Once again, it is your man, DM Cool. Keep it gravy and wavy. We are out of here. Peace.